0: And today on By Any Means Necessary, we'll be talking about developments in Pakistan as Prime Minister Imran Khan has recently been ousted. Also going to be touching on protests that have exploded inside Sri Lanka and going to be talking about uh, the viability and importance of diplomacy. And as always, at 3.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we'll be taking your calls. But to kick things off today, we're very happy to be joined by Justin Podor, an associate professor at York University, author of America's Wars on Democracy in Rwanda and the DR Congo, and co-host of the Anti-Empire Project. Justin, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, my pleasure,
0: as always. Absolutely. And, Justin, we had you on uh, just last week, I believe, talking about uh, the no-confidence vote that had happened in Pakistan aimed at uh, Prime Minister Imran Khan, who would then go on to say that uh, this was part of an effort uh, orchestrated by the U.S. to carry out regime change against him. And in the time since, uh, 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 Pakistan's uh, uh, parliament around that has actually put Imran Khan out as prime minister, to my understanding. So things seem to have uh, escalated just in the short time since we last spoke. And uh, it appears that there have been massive uh, demonstrations in Pakistan as a response. So I was hoping you could help us uh, understand, you know, uh, what's been happening sort of in a time since that no confidence vote uh, with Khan being ousted here.
1: Yeah, so let's uh, let's let's up, let's bring your audience up to date. So I said uh, that on the last time I was on, the situation was that the parliament was trying to do uh, the non-confidence vote. The speaker, who was a supporter of uh, Prime Minister Imran Khan, the speaker of the parliament, uh, suspended it. He said. Uh, This is not, we can't let this vote proceed because we have evidence that there's been external interference, which makes it unconstitutional. And they kind of brandished this letter, which is apparently not allowed anyone, people are still not allowed to see it because apparently it's a secret letter. Um, So um, they had the letter and they said it's uh, external interference, uh, but then it was up to the Supreme Court to rule whether the Speaker was correct in suspending uh, that vote. So the Supreme Court uh, delayed for a while. And that was the stage we were at because uh, Imran Khan then uh, dissolved the parliament. He said, um, if you want me out, you have to do an election. We'll do an early election and let the people decide. So that's where things were at when we last spoke. Then, uh, since then, the Supreme Court actually said no. It was incorrect constitutionally to suspend parliament and call for fresh elections and uh and disallow the vote. The vote will proceed. The government, the parliament is not dissolved uh, and the elections will not take place. So then the vote happened a couple of days ago, uh, despite the speaker's efforts to continuously delay it. And the vote happened and then Imran Khan was uh, in fact ousted. So having, um, and there were a couple of other moves, I think Imran Khan tried to tried to, um, what do you call it? Dis- uh, fire the chief of army staff and the uh, Supreme court also ruled that he couldn't do that. So after all of that, uh, Imran Khan was out and, uh, th- that was, um, that was supposed to be that, but, um, Immediately afterwards, there have been huge, like you said, demonstrations all over uh, Pakistan, especially in Karachi, but but pretty much all over uh, in you know against uh, against the coup. So there are uh, evidently lots of people who do see it as a coup, uh, despite um, despite you know, the the Pakistani establishment and media saying, now this is just a small thing. It's a constitutional removal of someone who, uh, you know, had a minority government and, and was had lost the support and confidence of members of his own party, which uh, renders his government unworkable. So uh, was it just uh, constitutional machinations of, of a prime minister overstepping, or was it a coup? Uh, it seems to me that there are... Uh, lots of Pakistanis on the street now that think it was a coup and I certainly also think it was a coup so
0: Yeah. And that was going to be my next question about what is uh, motivating sort of the, uh, you know, the intensity of these demonstrations that we're seeing in uh, Pakistan right now. I mean, is it so much a kind of affinity for Imran Khan or is it just this feeling that it was, in fact, you know, like a coup and that, you know, the politics of that country are, are being manipulated and things like that? Just what is your estimation of kind of the character of the demonstrations at this point?
1: I think it, I think there is a symbolic, um, there is a, there, Imran Khan, you know, is unpopular. It made a lot of mistakes for sure. But I think especially now when he's overthrown in this really kind of nasty way, um, I think I think people really dislike that, and and it's also like he 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 made a pretty good move by saying if you want to remove me, you should do it through an election. And then for these people to kind of, you know, the Supreme Court ruling and then the no confidence vote and everything, it just uh, you know I can see why it would it would really sit really badly with people, uh, leave a really bad taste in people's mouths uh, about around that. And then um, you know besides that, I do think that i do think that uh there's a lot of there's a lot of unpopularity in terms of the people that the people that replaced imran khan and that stand to take over now also uh, are kind of dynastic it's like these two families that have been ruling pakistan forever imran khan you know while he had been supported by the army he was a little bit more of an outsider he was a cricket star uh, you know kind of a sports star but um you know the, to see the Zardari, Bhutto, and the Sharifs back in power through this kind of machination is also uh, something that I don't think people like very much. Um, and also, you know, the yeah, the army interfering. The fact that no prime apparently no prime minister in Pakistan has ever finished a full five year term without some kind of thing happening to them. Uh, of this nature, so it's. Uh, I think that I think that all of those things combine, uh, but I do think that Imran Khan did a, did a number of things that people liked, right? Like including, obviously, uh, the most. I think the biggest thing, the elephant in the room, is the fact that the Afghan war uh, and the U.S. Uh, no longer having a base in Central Asia. Uh, from which to you know torment <laughs> Asia uh you know in, a, in the form of Afghanistan and the the bases uh, in Pakistan that were also closed so I think that those things are are big are a big deal and I don't think that that uh can be blown off casually uh by saying that he's no different from anyone else I mean th- these things happen the Afghan the u.s left Afghanistan on his, under his prime ministership, like whether he, uh, you know, people, I've heard people say that he didn't have any control over that, but it, I don't think it's a coincidence that that happened under his, on his watch and not any of the previous, uh, dictators or, uh, democratic elected rulers uh, of the past 40 years.
0: Yeah. And could you tell us more about, um, these elements that are poised to take power now that Khan is gone, these, uh, kind of dynastic, uh, uh elements as you described them?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto was uh prime minister of Pakistan in the 1970s, uh, which is when actually they sort of slowly started supporting the covert. I'm, uh, you know, I, I do sort of, I have to admit, I see these things, uh, in terms of the war in Afghanistan. You know, I, 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 love Pakistan. I I've been there. I know Pakistan. I have a lot of Pakistani friends. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Afghanistan is, is, uh, the Afghan war and the role Pakistan has played in it is, is what I've been watching most closely. And they did start that covert war back then under Bhutto. Um, and uh, Benazir Bhutto was also prime minister. Her husband, that's her, his daughter Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto's daughter, uh, Bhutto's uh, Benazir Bhutto's husband, uh, Z- uh, Zardari. He's um, he was prime minister for a while. And, uh, and then, their, I guess, their progeny <laughs> is is going to be in the government in some capacity. Now, uh, he he goes by the name Zardari Bundo. and uh, and then on the other side, there's Shabazz Sharif. Uh, previous prime minister was Nawaz Sharif. He's also been prime minister. And in between these uh, these prime ministers, these that, that's an exhaustive list, I think, of the uh, elected prime ministers of Pakistan over the past few decades, Um, and the others were the the military dictators Pervez Musharraf, Zia haq Ayub Khan. Um, So there were were military governments, and then there were civilian governments, but the civilian governments were pretty much um, from these two families. So, you know, and they're They're back. (laughs) So it's going to be a Sharif here and a Bhutto there, uh, you know, a a Zardari Bhutto there. And uh, and I think that's also some of the uh, some of the resentment about about politics, uh, about about the way this has gone.
0: I see. So these these elements that uh, you say traditionally have led the the, some of the civilian governments in the country are basically making uh, another play for power here in the absence of Khan. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, the the argument when when Khan uh, became prime minister was that he was prime minister with the backing of the army, which I think is fair. I don't think it was possible to uh, get out of, get into office um, in Pakistan without. Uh, the backing of the army, but that's uh, now that's true of this group. So mm-hmm. somehow uh, Imran Khan has lost the support of the army uh, and this new coalition uh, of the opposition has gained the support of the army. And I, I can't help but think that Part of that is uh, Afghanistan and getting the U.S. out of Afghanistan, and part of it is also that I think the the Pakistani military, like I said last time I was on, uh, tries to walk this um, middle ground between China and the U.S. and the U.S. is all trying to force everybody to choose uh, the U.S. instead of China. Um, And Imran Khan, I think, has tilted or had tilted a little too much towards the kind of Eurasian integration, multipolar um, concept uh, and not enough uh, and tilted a little too far away from the U.S. And I think that's part of the military establishment's grievance against him. You know, there was a gravy train of of covert um, funding uh, during the past 40 years of the Afghan war, which has dried up. And there's also various other kinds of Relationships between the Pakistani military establishment and the U.S. that um, they see as threatened right now. So I think that that's a big part of also why they've decided they'd rather have uh, this crowd in power for a while. Uh, I, you know, I should say I don't think that that means that Pakistan is going to s- stop being a, an ally of China, but I do think they're going to try to rebalance a little bit. Um, you know, that's definitely the way they see it as, you know, it, it's become a little unbalanced. Uh, they've come a little too far from the US now.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to ask a broad question here, um, uh, Justin, just, you know, because. You talk about—I'm kind of fascinated when you talk about how the Pakistan military tries to kind of straddle the fence between Washington and Beijing. And I feel like it's an example of how, you know, a lot of countries, uh, I think particularly, you know, those in, in the global south— um, are trying to sort of factor into uh, uh, the geopolitical sort of calculus here in terms of, you know, what's going to benefit them and, and things like this. And I mean, how does sort of uh, Pakistan and where it is regionally, you know, factor into that, you think? Because I just feel like there's sort of a deeper global implications for um, what's happening in Pakistan, even with, you know, the sort of internal contradictions that help to, to drive it.
1: Yeah. Everything Pakistan does is about India, right? So mm. so even the Afghan war, they kind of argued, was just uh, so-called strategic depth. I thought that was a pretty specious argument. Uh, but, you know, the idea is if, if, um, if uh, Afghanistan is kind of under Pakistan's control, then they could never be, uh, you know, attacked on both sides kind of thing. Um, although... Really, <laughs> I think that's that's pretty ridiculous. But in any case, that was their argument. Um, their argument is that they want to be allies with the U.S. and they want to be allies with China so that they can make sure that they uh, can survive with India being much bigger and stronger, and India always having this agenda of, you know, India, uh, maybe swallowing up Pakistan. That's that's kind of the security argument for. For Pakistan's uh, military establishment, so they see it as perfectly reasonable to be allied with the U.S. and China, right? Because they're thinking about how they can fight India one day if they have to. But from obviously from the U.S. perspective, <laughs> that's not really uh, that's not really acceptable to the U.S. because the U.S. wants. Um, their allies to be available for whoever they want to confront so if they want to confront the u.s wants to confront china and the u.s wants to confront russia uh, and they expect uh, their allies to be in line and so they don't they don't really want to help pakistan fight india they want india uh, on their side too so it's uh there are these different kinds of interests, bait because of the way that South Asia was partitioned, and the way that the um, British imperialists have successfully set these uh, two independent countries uh, against each other, seemingly forever, um, which they carved out of a single uh, country. So this is this is. I think this is the, the picture in South Asia. Of course, everywhere else, um, there are differences. But I think what's overall happening is the U.S. is trying to uh, get everybody on their team, uh, you know, solidly on their team against China. And Pakistan doesn't want to do that. But Pakistan, I think uh, the military establishment is willing to, you know, to give up at Imran Khan maybe to show that they're, uh, they're not going to tilt too far. Uh, in the other direction.
0: Yeah. And, you know, swinging back around to how this uh, may play out on the ground, since we know about some of the history of these elements that stand to take power now that uh, Imran Khan is off the scene, I'm curious, Justin, about their class character and sort of what kind of, you know, policies and things were they promoting and putting forth when they were in power? And whether you think we may uh, uh, we should expect that if they're uh, coming to power again,
1: yeah, I mean, I think there's gonna there's a lot of continuity. I think that that a lot of what Pakistan does uh, over the past few decades has been very similar. So you know they are they've been they've always been. Uh, Disproportionately, you know, they've always been devastated by the IMF. Let's say there have been lots of IMF, International Monetary Fund loans and bailouts and structural adjustments, and and their their public sector has constantly been under assault. Um, their economy has constantly been under assault by the IMF, and and honestly, you know, Imran Khan hasn't hadn't been able to do much about that. Uh, had a didn't do much about that. So we, we have to kind of admit that. Um, on the on the other hand. You know, at, like elsewhere in the world, like in Africa, there's this growing alternative option, which is the Chinese uh, Belt and Road Initiative, this China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, mm-hmm. uh, and those uh, that type of financing is a different model, right? They build the infrastructure, uh, they hold the, um, you know, the the default. De- China doesn't come and take over your finance ministry and force you to make cuts. There's, there's typically a refinancing of it, uh, because the collateral asset is this actual physical infrastructure, which still runs, whether you, uh, whether, you know, whatever, as the financial arrangements are negotiated or renegotiated, that the thing they built still is still there. They don't bomb it. They don't, uh, you know, they don't, destroy it they don't turn it off so these are it's it's a really different alternative and Imran Khan was you know headed in headed in that direction i i suspect the people that overthrew him will continue that um but you know these are when you when you negotiate a deal with the us of course the us doesn't ever fulfill their end of the bargain uh and it's always a pretty bad deal so i i i do wonder Uh, you know, how much they're going to get out of overthrowing Imran Khan. And I hope it was, I hope it was worth it because I think it's the beginning of a lot of, a lot more problems uh, for Pakistan. Um, And I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, you know, I especially think the Afghans are going to pay for it, but, but I guess we'll see because um, that's not, you know, that's, It's not it's not uncomplicated for Pakistan to to resume uh, allowing CIA drone strikes from their uh, country and so on like that also will be politically costly and 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 uh, potentially very problematic for them, too.
0: Definitely. Well, we thank you so much, Justin, for joining us today. We're going to leave it there and move to a break here on by any means necessary on radio, but you can watch 10 D.C. We'll be right back. So please stay with us